There's a word that I want to bring to you today, and that word is courage. The word courage, by definition, here it is. This is from one of my favorite dictionaries. It's a Webster's 1828 version of the dictionary. I like to go far back because sometimes meanings today have changed. Courage means bravery or intrepidity. When's the last time you used intrepidity? I don't think I ever have. But what intrepidity means is fearless bravery in danger. That quality of mind which enables men to encounter dangers and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits. It means valor. It means boldness. It means resolution. We just passed the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks where 2,977 people were killed by 19 attackers and nearly 6,000 people were injured. There were countless stories of courage and bravery as people sought to help rescue and care for the injured. They put aside what might happen to them facing the unknown with unwavering determination. In the years since then, many brave men and women in our nation's service had continued the centuries-long quest to continue to sacrifice for themselves to keep safe Americans from the evil forces that would seek to attack again. I'm thankful and I'm proud that I live in the United States of America and I thank God for the men and women who have and continue to sacrifice their own personal comforts, their own safety and security for us. This includes our service members and our first responders as well as our health care workers who have sacrificed much and who have faced unimaginable and overwhelming circumstances and burdens during this global pandemic. And our thanks and appreciation go to them and we honor them. Courage is not just something that you can imagine and make it happen. It's not something that you can snap your fingers and it's there. But I believe courage is instilled in us through experiences and through positive relationships that build confidence over time. For the follower of Jesus Christ, courage is instilled through the power of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, was the one who infiltrated your heart to let you know that there was a Savior that you need to forgive you of your sins and be in right relationship with a holy God. And that Savior, His name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit also gives you the courage to make decisions and, and make, the, make the decision to say yes to God and accept Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. He gives you the courage to say, yes, I, I not only know that I need a Savior, but I'm going to take an action to actually receive that Savior. He gives you the courage to do that. After His resurrection, 
from the dead and just before he ascended into heaven. This is what Jesus told his followers in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What this really meant is that the Holy Spirit would give power. The power to drive out evil spirits to heal the sick. This power was more than just strength or ability, but it was the authority to continue the work of Jesus Christ. This power would result in courage for His followers, the followers of Jesus, to be witnesses, which means to tell others about His saving grace and His mercy and His goodness. This courage which really is a supernatural boldness to stand in the face of all spiritual adversity, even when hell itself may be knocking at the door, the Holy Spirit is there to give courage and boldness. This courage to stand for Jesus was an expectation for all believers as the Holy Spirit empowered them. They expected to be endued with power, to be empowered from inside to the out. This was an expectation because the these were the words of Jesus. They knew that everything that Jesus said came to pass. And this was no different. They knew that because they knew in their own strength and their own abilities, they would be inadequate. Church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Brother Berlin preached this Wednesday night. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We must determine that we will live under the influence of the Holy Spirit so much that we will have the courage to stand up for Jesus regardless of what we think or what we feel. How do you know? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. When you get close enough to God, you will recognize the voice of Jesus. You will recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, which gave you the understanding that you need a Savior, is the same Holy Spirit that gave you the boldness to say yes to Jesus. And it's the same Holy Spirit that will give you the boldness to listen to the words of the Holy Spirit and say yes to whatever He is wanting you to do. The devil wants to keep you from standing for Jesus. He wants you to feel inferior and incapable of being used for the Lord to be a witness to anyone. It's a lie from the pit of hell, from the enemy of your soul, when he brings those thoughts of inferiority and, and, and um, inadequacy into your world because we are all inadequate. We are all inferior except for the grace of God through Jesus Christ and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we have. And we are right before God. And that is all that it takes. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I know that on your own, you can't do it. But let me help you. Amen. He will try to make your past failures and even possibly your current situation a stumbling block in an attempt to keep you silent from talking about Jesus. I heard a lady say this one time. She says, you know, I know what marriage is supposed to be because I had a really long, strong marriage and then she was widowed and she said, 
and she went through subsequent um, three additional marriages and divorces. And she was ashamed of that fact. And she said, she said, you know, I know what marriage is supposed to be. And I feel like the devil is just using this. Basically, what she was saying is, I feel like the devil is just using this to, to say, oh, you don't have any right to talk about marriage because look at your life. May I tell you that regardless of what has gone on up to now, uh, that God still can use you and will use you and the message that He gives you is the message that needs to go out regardless of what the experiences have been. How will we know what's wrong unless we are allowed by the Holy Spirit to see it? We all have sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all lived in ways that perhaps we shouldn't have. We've all made decisions that perhaps we shouldn't have. That doesn't mean that well, I'm never going to talk about that situation. I'm never going to tell anybody else what the Word of God says about that situation because I couldn't even live according to what I knew I was supposed to live. Even as a child of God, maybe these things happened while you were walking in fellowship with the Lord. That's a trick from the enemy of your soul. Because the Word of God is true regardless of what's gone on in our lives in the past. And it will always be true. That wasn't a part of what I planned to say, but I think somebody needed to hear it. Let your faith in Jesus rise up and let the courage and the boldness of the Lord, your God, come to the forefront of your spirit and purpose to never be ashamed to stand up for Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. That's the key right there. That is why the enemy of your soul doesn't want you sharing anything to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it brings salvation. To everyone, say everyone. everyone. To everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel of righteousness... Here it is. God has revealed a righteousness that is from faith, that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written that righteous will live by faith. Last week I talked about a lame beggar who was at the who was at the temple at the time of prayer for Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. And as he was he as he healed the people, they came to watch and see what was going on. And I want you to look. This is, I don't have time to read everything, and I've got a lot of scripture that I want to share because this story is just so powerful because it just continues chapter after chapter. It just goes on and on. But I want you to get something here. In verse, in verse 11, chapter 3, it says, While the man held on to Peter and John. Remember last week, the, the Bible says he was leaping and jumping and praising the Lord. He was drawing, he was getting people's attention. All the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. This was a perfect opportunity for people to talk about Jesus. Peter would talk about Jesus because people saw what God had done. In verse 19, Peter says this, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Here it is. Again, the Word of God leads to salvation. The good news of Jesus Christ leads to salvation. And that's what happened. 
In verse number 1, chap, Acts chapter 4, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, look what happened to them. They put them in jail until the next day. I want to stop there for just a second. They put them in jail until the next day. Now, I would probably assume that currently, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but currently, we won't be jailed for sharing about Jesus. Now, there are some places in the world where you'll be killed for sharing about Jesus. But I don't think we're going to go through anything quite this severe just for talking about Jesus. They were put in jail until the next day. Verse 4, But many who heard the message believed because they heard the message. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Can you grasp this church? On the day of Pentecost, you had thousands who accepted Christ. And then here again, because of what God had done, people had seen what God had done. These men were willing to have the courage to stand up for Jesus in the face of adversity. Look what happened. People got saved. This was the work of the Holy Spirit just as Jesus said it would be. I know there are some that might say, well, you know, there was this lame man who was healed, so that kind of broke the ice, and it was a lot easier for him to talk about Jesus because of this wonderful miracle that had happened. I would venture to say that as a follower of Jesus Christ, there's probably many things that you think you can think of in your own life that Jesus has done that you can share. You can share things that he's done in other people's lives that you know as a powerful testimony to the Lord and about God. Verse 5. The next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there and so were uh, Caiaphas, John, Ale Ale uh, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had John, Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, and I want you to get this, says, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an important fact that we must not skim over. Church, I believe that just as Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, so must we be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? We give Jesus place in our lives. We spend time with Him. And we say, God, I need more of You. We don't just pray a prayer of salvation and say, okay, what next? i tell you what's next. Get in the Word of God. Get in your prayer closet. Get on your face before the Lord and say, God, I need you more now than I've ever needed you before. I want to be your witness. I want to be used by you. I want to be what you want me to be. And we stop making decisions based on our best interest and we lean on God for His best interest, His purpose. Bible says that before we were even born, His plans were already laid out for us. How can we know the plans of God? We'll never know them if we don't get in prayer with Him and have a conversation with Him. 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of, of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. And this is the power and the message of the good news. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other way, church. That in itself should make it prevalent in our spirits to say that message, that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be told and it needs to be heard by the lost because without Christ there is no hope for them as there was no hope for us. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I think there's a double meaning here that they recognized that these were some of the men who walked with Jesus physically on the earth. But I think they really realized that they were men who had spent time with Jesus even after His resurrection in prayer. Courage is not just what you may sense inside, but true courage exudes from within and others will recognize it as well, just like the Sanhedrin did. They recognized their courage. They saw their courage. Verse 14, But since they, could not, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. I find that incredible. It is incredible. You know, the, the evidence was right there. When you know God has healed you or God has set you free and delivered, what a powerful testimony it is when somebody says, I was bound by alcohol and drugs and now I am not and my treatment plan was to be set free by the power of Almighty God. That is a powerful testimony. And, and, and they can't deny it when they're there with you and they recognize that, yes, we understand you have been set free. I was set free from the addiction of smoking. Oh, preacher, you smoked? Yes, I did. I'm not proud of it, but I did when I was a teenager back when you could buy cigarettes before you were 18. Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> um, I smoked Salem Light 100s for two years. And I was living away from God. I'm not proud of that fact, but I was. And I was living with my grandparents. And uh, in the wintertime, I would smoke in the garage because you didn't, you know, smoking in somebody else's house is just rude. And I would smoke. And the walls of that small house, my grandma always walked around singing, humming, 
And I'm sitting here trying to drag on this cigarette and my grandma, you can hear through the wall, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And I'm like, really? I wanted to quit. I got to the place and it was really bothering me to smoke. And I prayed and I prayed and I finally felt like the Lord was giving me what I needed to quit. And uh, I laid them aside. And I went without a cigarette for, I think, a day and a half. And then I picked one back up and it made me so sick. It went down to the pit of my stomach and I never, I had seven packs left in the house when I quit. Now, I chewed a lot of gum. Double Mint was my friend. <laughs> Folks, I, I went to bed with gum in my mouth. And, uh, and, and, I, I, and I didn't smoke a tremendous amount, but it was enough. But I, God gave me victory over that, and he gave me the courage to quit. He gave me the strength, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes in when we're inadequate on our own to do something. <laughs> He comes in and he comes alongside of us and he says, I'm going to help you. Verse 15, they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, the among the people we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> the devil will always try to stop the gospel or any efforts to promote the gospel or good news about Jesus from spreading. He will try to stop you as well. If you try to do something for God, wham, he's going to come in and he's going to say, oh yeah? Well, let me just attack you in a couple of different ways here and then maybe I can get you to think so much about that that you'll just stop doing what you're doing. Verse 18. They called the men again and commanded, that, uh, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. That's pretty much putting it where, putting your money where, the, where your mouth is. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. Now, how many of you, I'm going to look at that verse, verse 20. We cannot help speaking or, uh, uh, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, we went out to Golden Corral Thursday night. We don't usually go there. We've only gone there a couple of times, I think, in the last year. But we had a gift card and we kind of wanted to use it. And we went out there. And I distinctly remember that when we went out there for Ryan's birthday in July, that their ice cream machine was down. Nothing I could do about it except eat a piece of pie. <laughs> but knowing that they have an ice cream machine, I looked to see, and it was working that Thursday night. Praise the Lord. <laughs> 
And uh, it wasn't good enough just to get ice cream. But I had to put peach cobbler in this soup bowl. You see, we go when we go to Branson, and they do it right. Right there, right there at the uh, at the Golden Corral, they have these soup bowls with a little handle on them. Now, when you go to Branson at the uh, at that uh, Grand Country Buffet, we usually go there because we can find a coupon where you buy one get half off and all that kind of stuff. They put these little bitty old dishes that that would maybe hold, you know, like a side of salad dressing kind of thing. And, and I'm like, oh no, I'm going over to the soup line and I'm getting that soup bowl and I'm coming back over here and loading it with peach cobbler and then putting the ice cream on top. And I think, I appreciate thick ice cream, but I, that ice cream took a long time to drop into that bowl Thursday <laughs> night. But it, my mouth was watering. And that's how I topped my meal off Thursday night. Um, you know, it's difficult sometimes to exercise restraint. It's almost, you know, and I don't buy ice cream and take it home very often because I know that if it's there, it won't be soon. And so it's it's really difficult. I even suggested it last night on our way home. We hadn't had dinner yet. We weren't really gonna. We hadn't really planned it. We ate a really late lunch, and uh, we stopped at Sonic and Brahms is just around the corner. And I said, "Hey, Annette, we were babysitting Journey for a little bit." I said, "Hey, Annette, she was asleep. Annette, not Annette, but the baby was asleep." <laughs> anyway, you knew what I meant. <laughs> Anyway, I said, hey, what do you think about stopping at Brahms? Well, ice cream is not her deal. It's not, I mean, she can appreciate it, but it's not her deal. And uh, she didn't really care for one. And I exercised restraint, and I stayed in the left lane. I really wanted to get over, but I thought I really don't need that. And I just decided to go on home. But it would have been really easy for me to go there. What, Pastor, why are you taking us down this ice cream lane story? I'm telling you because if you have an appetite for whatever it is, you can insert whatever it is for you. If you have an appetite for whatever that is, and somebody says, here it is, I'm giving it to you. And you're thinking, I don't think so. You know. I mean, we brought Journey back over to her house the other night. And her daddy had gone to, uh, gone to uh, the store and gotten a, a little ice cream treat. And he offered Journey a bite. I think he might have even offered me a bite, but I, I restrained. Uh, <laughs> you know. And, but if somebody offers you something that you like... You know, and and you know that you're okay to have it. I know that there's some situations where some things that you like you really shouldn't have because of your health, but I'm saying it's there. And Psalm 23 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Whatever is on the Lord's table, He has 
prepared for you and it's right. And in a spiritual context, the Holy Spirit places something in your realm and He says, just as these say, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. There was something inside them. Their appetite for the things of God were so strong that they just could not help it in bringing it out and making it known. After further threats, verse 21, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who miraculously, who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. You see, the Holy Spirit had created within them a burning desire to speak about Jesus, to speak about His character and His nature. Peter and John, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read the story, but I encourage you to do so. But Peter and John had been put into jail. The authority had told them to stop, but they refused because the Holy Spirit inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired courage to stand for Jesus. The very next thing they had was a prayer meeting in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. It was an audible saying. They all prayed out loud. I believe, church, that we need to get in the habit of praying out loud. Oh, Pastor, oh, this is a little uncomfortable. I don't want to pray out loud. I don't want other people to hear me. Practice praying out loud in your prayer closet by yourself. It's much more powerful when you hear words coming out of your mouth to the Lord your God. And also it helps your mind not to wonder when your words are coming out. Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and, all, and the peoples plot in vain? The kingdoms of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord. And against his anointed one, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. He's telling about how the prophecy from the Old Testament has come to pass now that they're seeing. Verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. How remarkable is this? They had just displayed tremendous courage in the face of the ruling religious authority. They'd been, they'd been threatened and instructed to stop. And now they were praying for more boldness. What, were, what they were saying is that, Lord, I need more of your power than ever before to face what is coming. Verse 30, he said, stretch out your hand to heal and perform. Continuing their prayer. God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed for more miraculous signs and wonders to happen, all for the glory of Jesus. After they prayed, they, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God 
boldly. Church, I believe that it's time for God's people to get more serious in our relationship with Him than ever before. I believe that we must seek Him like we've never sought Him before and allow the Holy Spirit to embolden us like we have never been before so that we can have the courage to take a stand for Jesus because what we do for Jesus is the only thing that will matter. How would it be if we pray for more boldness from the Holy Spirit? God, that we pray for Your hand to be more showing in miracles and signs and wonders to people that need to see Your power. And how would it be if He just shakes the place where His people are gathered in prayer? How would that be? He enables us to go forth and to speak boldly. I'm going to jump down to verse 12 of chapter 5. And as I mentioned, I'm not going to read all this chapter 5, but I want to encourage you to do that. Verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers that used to... Uh, and all the believers used to meet together in Simon's colony. This was an answer to the prayer they had prayed. Verse 14, Nevertheless, more and more men were added, uh, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits and all of them were healed. If you continue to read Acts 5 then you will find again where they were jailed but they were supernaturally released and, and they'd been told after they'd been told not to talk about Jesus they were reminded again not to talk about Jesus after they were brought in front of the Sanhedrin again. In verse 29 Peter said this along with the other apostles we must obey God rather than man, rather than human beings. And then in verse 38, this is a powerful story. A Pharisee named Gamaliel reminded the council of this. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for their, if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting with God. The apostles, they were beaten at that point, And they were instructed for a third time not to talk about Jesus again. In verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name. In verse 42, this is what they did. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. When we think we're having a bad day and we think, oh, we're just getting this gut punch and we're trying to do working for the Lord and, and we realize that, man, something's going on and I'm getting hurt over here uh, and it's distracting me from the work of the Lord. That's exactly what the enemy wants to tell you. We've got to then take up enough courage in the Holy Ghost and say, I am going to do all that much more for the kingdom of God and for Jesus Christ because it's when you're doing something for God that the enemy comes in more and more. But the prayer for boldness, the prayer for the move of God in your life is going to be so powerful because the Holy Spirit will embolden you, will give you more and more courage that you will proclaim as Peter did, that they will never stop. They witness they will never stop proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Devil, you just thought you could shut me up, but you're not going to do it. 
There's an old hymn that I want to share with you as I get ready to close this morning. It's called, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift high His royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, His army He shall lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the solemn watchword here. If while ye sleep he suffers away with shame and fear, where'er ye meet with evil within you or without, charge for the God of battles and put the foe to rout. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey. Forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. Ye that, are, ye that are brave now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus in his strength alone. To arm, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer where duty calls or danger. Be never wanting there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, each soldier to his past. Close, close up the broken column and shout through all the host. Make good the lost so heavy in those that still remain and prove to all around you that death itself is gain. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. The day the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To those who vanquish evil, a crown of life shall be. They with the King of glory shall reign eternally. The apostles had a mandate from God, a burning passion for the lost. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit who gave them courage to stand for Jesus. Church, we have a mandate from God. We should have a burning passion for the lost. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit who gives us courage to stand up for Jesus. We just have to determine that yes, we will take a stand. How important are the lost, the dying, and the hurting to us? How important are the lost, the dying, and the hurting to God? They were so important that He gave His one and His only Son that all would not perish, but would come to repentance and have eternal life. I implore you, get closer to God than you've ever been before. If you can think in your life if there's ever been a time when you have sensed that you were closer to God than you are right now, then you need to get back to that place and go further and deeper in God than you've ever been before. Let the Holy Spirit use you outside the four walls of the church. Let Him give you the courage to stand for Jesus because He will. How many souls can you impact with the good news about Jesus? And how he sets free and delivers. And the question that I leave you with is how will they know if you don't tell them? How will they know? Folks, you have the courage to stand for Jesus. You just have to resolve that that's what you're going to do. And by God's grace, he will help you do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy.
I thank you for the charge that you have given us as men and women of God to take a stand for Jesus Christ. That we must have the courage. You give the courage. You give the boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit. First and foremost, we commit our lives completely over to you, Jesus. Wash away all sin. Take away all fear. We get closer to you than ever before. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. God, you give us victory, not only over sin, but over life's challenges and life's circumstances and over the attacks from the enemy. Lord, when we need healing, you're the one we trust for healing. When we need deliverance, you're the one we trust us from deliverance. We trust you for the healing. We trust you for the deliverance. And then we, in our relationship with you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who we invite Him in to just take hold and lift us up and embolden us. Let the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ come out in spite of what we may be going through. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, we praise you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.